Trekkies, and welcome to Trek Freaks, part of the Geek Freaks Podcast Network. On this podcast, we review and analyze episodes of Star Trek starting all the way back at the original series. My name is John, uh, and I'll be one of your hosts, joined by my good friend and co-host, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Hey, good, good. So, uh, what episode are we reviewing today, Kevin? Uh, We are talking about the fun episode of Season 2, Episode 8, I, Mud. Yes, as you know by the title, this has Mr. Harry Mudd in it again. He is one of my favorite reoccurring terrible characters. <laughs> uh, before we dive into the Warp Speed recap, I got a good question for you, though. Oh, let's have it. This episode's got some androids in it, so I want to know, what would you do if you had an army of androids? An army of androids, yeah, well. Or a mass- massive population of androids. Yeah, it's... It would be hard to stick with this, so bear with me. <laughs> However, I I want to say what I would do would be use them to like harvest fields, you know, farm, uh, build solar power panels and stuff, and try to try to help uh, the hunger and power crises around the world. Uh, send them to lesser fortunate countries to help them get water and food and clean energy and do the same thing here that I, I think I would try to use them for a force for good, mm-hmm. but androids being what they are, I don't think it'd be too long before they turn against us. So true. Probably die. Die would be the answer. <laughs> die. <laughs> what would I do with an army of androids? Probably die. Yeah. Die. Yes. Right. Yeah. I'd, s- similar, like along the same lines, I'd probably try to like, you know, help humanity and try to advance science to the max. Like they're so they're smart little machines and they can, do so much so i'd see like you know they can work you know uh, without getting tired and stuff uh so yeah i would try to see how far we can advance our scientific knowledge and technology that'd be pretty cool nice uh all right but with no further ado let's get into our warp speed recap infiltrated by an undercover android the enterprise is commandeered and directed to an unknown planet once in orbit, they beam down to find none other than Harry Mudd I. Captive ruler of a planet of androids, Mudd plans to leave the Enterprise crew in his place for these androids to study as he ventures off in a state-of-the-art starship. Kirk and crew outsmart the androids, not with logic, but with complete nonsense. Now the androids follow Kirk's orders. They return his ship, and he leaves them with a new purpose. Settle this planet make good use of the, of its resources, and keep an eye on Harry Mudd. That was a that, that was a much more fun episode than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and it was and a short like, recap, I realize now. Usually my recaps are a little longer than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot else to, to talk about I, I, other than, you know, everything else that we're going to be talking about. But as far as the, the big picture goes, yeah. I think you hit it. Yeah, I think you got that, it. That, that was a really fun episode. I like all of them with Harry Mudd in them. Not because he's a great guy. He's a terrible person, <laughs> but he's a great character. And I think you'd love to hate him. He's just, yeah. he's fun. I didn't realize uh, it's been a week since I watched the episode. So my memory might be a little fuzzy at parts, but I didn't remember how fun the episode was until you brought up how they beat the androids by total using total nonsense. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, that <laughs> stuff was fun. That was cool. Yeah, that was like a long, a long bit of like just nonsense. <laughs> Uh, that right, had so, to have been fun to act too. Oh yeah, I, sp- I imagine because they can. Oh, I'm not sure how much direction they got on set, but I imagine it was probably like just do something silly, and right. we're gonna be filming. <laughs> it could pretty much be whatever. 
so we start out, we're on the Enterprise. Bones seems bothered by a new crewman uh, who seems a little too serious. And he's joking around with Spock because Spock is, you know, always pretty serious. Um, but that made me wonder, you know, he sees him walking by. They, I guess they know his name is Norman. I assume maybe he was like a recent transfer to the ship or whatever. But wouldn't you think on a ship like this, you would know everybody? Like, there should be at, at least if someone's getting transferred on that's... So, most of these people you're living with, right? And you're, you are in life and death situations with them. So you have to be able to rely on them. But you would think when somebody new is joined in the ship, they would be like introduced to everybody and spend time getting to know all their crew members to some extent, rather than like some guy walks by and like, huh, that that's just another crewman. I don't know him, but he seems a little odd. What do you think? Yeah, it, it, I definitely agree. And it seems like, that I, I think he was trying to get him to do his like physical or something, mm-hmm. trying to get him into med bay to do that. But it seems like that should have been something that should have happened before he even got on board the ship. Yeah. Should be like, I would think before he has free reign to go wherever he wants, you got to go through your physical and like yeah. a introductory training or something like that. Just at least like ha- know where the, know how to navigate the ship and stuff like that. Right. And like how did he go through the process of getting on board the ship if he wasn't vetted prior to being picked up by the Enterprise, the flagship of the Federation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a I mean, obviously they don't want to dwell on it. They just kind of you know, skim over that part, but uh, yeah, and it leaves us with a lot of questions. Uh but then we see Norman enters the auxiliary control room. He knocks out a crewman and starts manipulating all the controls. Uh, Sulu tells Kirk that he's lost control of the ship pretty much is, is the course is being changed and he can't correct it. Uh, then Norman is taking over engineering, uh, which, so the control, the control room, I think is like that raised platform in engineering, you know, it's in the same area, but, uh, so we see he's taking it over and he like, he hits Scotty. I, I don't remember exactly how he hit. Him. I think it's just like chopped at him. And then we see, you know, Scotty like kind of falls to the controls or, you know, he's in pain. But to me, he was like in too much pain for like one hit. He was like incapacitated. We look, look away at another scene and then we come back to him and he's still just like, oh no, like still whimpering in pain. Like, do you think Scotty should have been a little more injured? I think I would have liked to see, it would have been, you know, rough, but that he like broke his arm or dislocated his shoulder or something heavy was like, thrown on him so he was kind of pinned or a little more maybe maybe it was like a a phaser shot that was just a stun but at least he was stunned something that was a little more than just a karate chop that disabled him for quite a while what do you think yeah when you said broke his arm that's exactly what i was thinking it's like he should have done like a hip toss thing like we the uh, the the guy could have like thrown him over yeah with his arm and like twisted his arm in the process and broke it yeah. or like and maybe he landed on his ankle a popping sound or something exactly yeah perfect. he could have landed on an ankle so he couldn't get back up because he's like twisted or broke an ankle mm-hmm. or something yeah, yeah i agree stepped into a bear trap come on it's gotta be <laughs> <laughs> something <laughs> yeah uh so then we see norman makes it to the bridge uh and grabs the captain's arm he explains that he has control of the ship already but he means no harm to his people and he just needs to take the ship uh, after this, he shows them that he is an android. They're, you know, confused about who he is and how he is and why he is. Uh, so he opens up this, like, compartment on his stomach that shows electrical components. That was, you know, whatever, cheesy. It, 
there's other ways I hope. I mean, I Androids have a, just the access panel on their stomach, but <laughs> but it was clearly remastered at least. Like yeah. I, I, I didn't take the time. I should have uh, looked up what the original, you know, scene looked like, what his his components looked like. I imagine just a bunch of little like turning gears, maybe some copper exposed wires or something like that. Yeah, uh, I, I actually did watch one of those comparison videos of the original versus the remaster, uh-huh. and it was basically that. Yeah, it, it looked better than I thought that it would have for the original series. But yeah, this is definitely like it doesn't fit with the rest of the episode the way they remastered it. Like it doesn't yeah. look right. I almost <laughs> wish they would have not remastered it, yeah. except maybe remastered the stomach because it was clearly a fake stomach. Yeah. Like if they could have made that part look a little bit more. I don't know. Re- remaster it to that period's technology, though. Like, make it look better, but still make it look like gears and, you know, a little steam vent or whatever. You know, like, <laughs> right. old school. I don't know. That's one thing. So, not to get completely derailed, but when we're watching right now the new show, uh, Strange New Worlds is airing, and we're seeing their ship that's supposed to be before this time period, and, you know, the same Enterprise, but older, and the technology looks so much more advanced. I would love to have seen them really do a clean, professional job with switches and knobs like they have on the ship now. And then maybe some display consoles that we didn't couldn't see before, but, you know, not the more advanced tech that we're starting to see. It's a little, I don't know, throws you off a little yeah. bit. There's a lot of technology that's on the, the Enterprise and Strange New Worlds that didn't exist, you know, 10 years after the fact in the original series. Yeah. And I, it, I, I do like to think of it as just as a, a visual retcon which isn't as big of a deal to me, but I know it was my biggest gripe when the 2009 Star Trek movie from J.J. Abrams came out, mm-hmm. was that this is not that same ship. It looks <laughs> too clean. It looks too neat. And now Strange New Worlds comes out. Oh, it's so perfect. It's the perfect show. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I get it. I get it. Um, So we see that he's an android. He opens that compartment. Uh, then he... He explains that they're going to travel to his planet, which is four days away. He kind of like, he doesn't turn himself off, doesn't completely like shut down, but he goes dormant. So he's just standing in one position with his eyes closed, this android Norman. Uh, he practically turns himself off for four days while they travel. So my question for you is, would, would you try to like deactivate him or do something to him while he's asleep? That was my first thought when I was watching the episode. We're agreeing on everything so far. It's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's that like, was my first thought when I was watching this part of the episode is that yeah, they could have tried something. Um, maybe they were trying to save as much screen time for mud later mm-hmm. on as possible, but it yeah. could have been some attempt at trying to disable or deactivate him yeah. prior to getting to the planet and then taking the ship back over. But So he, whatever he did, he put in uh, like safe, safety guards or whatever, to where the, the control he has over the ship, it's having to go to his home planet. If they try to override that, it would self-destruct or something like that. It would destroy something. So it'd at least be good to see Scotty trying to bypass his bypass right. or something like that, and then it doesn't work, and it shorts out a panel, and you know he's stunned or something like that. So they realize, like, okay, you know what? We can't mess with his technology. We need to just be patient and see what he needs. Uh, but I know it's another scene and we're trying to get to mud, not trying to spend too much time on the ship. So maybe they're just like, Hey, we'll just play the politics game and we'll go see what these guys are all about and uh, make first contact in a pleasant way, I guess. Um, so they arrive to his planet. They're in orbit. Um, Norman asked the captain to beam down. 
uh, with a select few crewmen, and obviously he doesn't want to. He's skeptical of what's going to happen, but they beam down anyways. Uh, then they're led into a room where they meet, once again, Mr. Harry Mudd, sitting on a throne. Uh, he calls himself Harry Mudd the First. Uh, it's so good to see Harry again, though. I love... I, I, don't, I gotta look up how many other episodes he's in, but I, yeah, we've seen him at least once before. Uh, but he's just... He's a fun character. He's a... Yeah, I love... I love that they hardly ever use his full name in this. I think they said that his name is Harcourt Fenton Mud. Yeah. And he like totally steers away from that name at any given opportunity. <laughs> like I'm I'm Sir Hen- uh, Harry Mud the 1st or something <laughs> along those lines. Yeah. So he explains that he rules this planet of androids. Uh, and then Mud tells tells Kirk, uh, "Settle in, Kirk old boy, because they're going to be there for for life, for the rest of their life." Uh, and he had he specifies that he had 500 of the same attractive model of android built to serve him. So he's a bunch of androids, but the you know perverted man that Harry Mudd is, uh, he has specific androids made to look like you know these attractive women from his past or whatever. Uh, so he boasts that he had 500 of this model made for him. Uh, but so that leads me to the sexual innuendo and stuff like that. Uh, how do you feel about the innuendo in this episode? How he's, you know, more or less just just not beat around the bush. He's insinuating that he's created these attractive robots and he sleeps with them, and that that's they're there to to serve his every need. Um, but what do you think? Do you think it was too much, or was it done tastefully? It it fits the character, and it's better than having you know five hundred enslaved actual living beings yeah. that do that. True. So true. there's that. Um, obviously, it's gross, but it's also, you know, our favorite gross character yeah. doing his favorite gross things. So <laughs> Harry Mud gonna Harry Mud. Yeah. So that's what I was trying to get to, too, is that it, it's, you know, sexually suggestive. It's not outright, you know, vulgar. And it's uh, I think it was tasteful the way Star Trek portrayed it. And it's not that we're saying this is a good thing to do. This is a character that we love to hate. So he's a bad guy, um, but you know maybe when when Chekhov you know kind of jokes about it and he's happy that they're programmed that way, that's you know a negative impact on his character. But uh, yeah, I think it was I think it was done well. It could have easily been too much if they kind of rewrote it a little bit. But I like the way yeah. it was done. Um, and it's it really helps kind of cement Harry's character of who we know him to be he was a swindler before and you know selling off women and stuff like that so it just kind of solidifies who he is which is a great character to hate but uh, you want to as you're writing that episode and you're trying to reintroduce the character of of mud mm -hmm. you want to get across the fact that he's a despicable human being (laughs) in as many different ways as possible and his being able to take advantage of the fact that he can have any form of android that he wants is I, I think it was a it was a good way to introduce how slimy he is yeah so. the whole time I watched this episode though the one thing I'm thinking that's probably not great is like I could totally cosplay Harry Mudd like, <laughs> he's overweight he's balding like I could do that and you know speaking with that that uh, overacting that he does that you just, have to do the voice for yeah, sure his character is so great so That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> It'd be fun, but then people are probably going to spit on you as you walk down the hall. <laughs> well, my wife used to be in uh, 
she was heavily into theater when she was in high school and stuff. And she always says that the the most fun people to play are the villains, the yeah. bad guys, because you get a step so far outside of who you normally are to portray this person, this despicable person. So I feel that that's probably how the actor that played Mud felt. And that's probably about how you would feel if you heard a cosplay. It's like, yeah, this isn't me, but it's so much more fun <laughs> because it's so different from who I am. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, so we see uh, Mud kind of explains, or no, not Mud, sorry. Um, one of the androids, I think it was Norman, explains how Mud got to where he is. Oh, no, that's a lie. I'm sorry. Back and forth. Mud explains some. Norman explains more later. Um, so he was caught selling stolen Vulcan technology, blueprints and stuff. Uh, so then he stole a ship and fled. He wandered unmapped space until he was crash-landed on this planet. Uh, then the androids... Uh, serve him but they also need him because uh they want to study humans they don't have they don't have a leader they don't have a human or humanoid uh non-android person to guide them so they don't have a purpose pretty much um and so they won't let him go so that's where he makes this exchange of hey i'll get you i'll get you a good specimen i'll get you a captain of a starship and the crew and then you know you just help me take the ship and i'll go on my merry way uh, so that's why Kirk and his crew were taken in his place to pretty much free Mud. Could you think of a better way for him to get free, though, instead of taking somebody else to replace him? Maybe not make a shitload more androids yourself and try to deactivate the one or ones that are there. <laughs> yeah, create an android civil war. <laughs> basically, or I think that he enjoyed that lifestyle like mm-hmm. too much and then he got himself in too deep that the only way he could think of to escape was to come up with this master plan of capturing his old rival. I, I don't know. It's such a far fetched premise for a story that I don't know of a better way to get him free. And he's his, uh, challenge. I mean, he enjoyed the planet for so long, but now he's grown bored. Like he's done everything he could do and there's nothing else to do there. So to me, I wouldn't necessarily just try to ditch the androids. Like they're a super helpful, valuable asset. If you can continue to lead them, do so. But I would give them a new purpose and say, hey, you know what we need to do? We've seen everything there is to see on this planet. We need to explore. We need to find other test subjects for you to study. And those are on other planets. So let's go, you know, searching in different directions. And that way he gets off the planet. He can go mingle with different alien races and different planets and, you know, maybe conquer them if he wants to, but uh, preferably not. But, I know. think you just created my favorite hypothetical spin-off series of Star Trek. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> just Mud and his androids going off and exploring strange new worlds and right. <laughs> doing basically what the Enterprise is doing, but like kind of the opposite as well. Yeah, because imagine wherever he goes, he's going to take advantage of the local population. So he's probably going to continue yeah. to create more androids and then they will kind of embed themselves or take over the planets uh you know people and maybe uh create a bunch of slaves in the process <laughs> i don't know depends on how despicable harry wants to go with it uh, so- the other thing about mud is that he seems less despicable than in um discovery when they have him in a couple episodes of discovery oh, yeah. and the, he's, he's in the kinda- shorts right I think he's in one of the shorts, or he like debuted in that. But he was in an episode, at least okay. one episode, yeah. of of Discovery, where he's like he created a a time loop thing mm-hmm. where he's trying to t- uh, take over the ship from Lorca, who was yeah. the captain in season 
one. Or, yeah, I think that was season one. They had him, like, as a straight-up villain. Like, like not a a funny type of villain like they have in this show. So, yeah. Just wanted to bring that up a little bit. Yeah, I like like to, like, assume or kind of see that he's... Yeah, he's a, a bad guy because he only cares about himself and he'll do whatever it takes to to get the upper hand. But that he's also misunderstood and we can't see what it is we don't see, but we know that he doesn't think he's a bad guy. Right. You know, he doesn't think what he's doing is is unjust or corrupt or anything like that, but you know, obviously from our perspective it is. But after this scene we see one of my <laughs> one of my favorite parts of this episode is <laughs> hilarious is he had a android made uh, specifically like his wife who he left and, you know, abandoned uh, long ago, I imagine, um, named Stella. And so he can activate her with a voice commands, and she just starts nagging at him, just yelling at him the same old stuff that he would hear every night when he'd come home from the bar or whatever. And when he tells her to shut up, she just deactivates and shuts down a place. And I just thought that was so hilarious. Obviously, you know, not great in uh, uh, marriage and, you know, representing what how men should treat women, obviously. But we've established Harry Mudd's a terrible person, so uh, yeah. Even though I love my wife, I thought that was pretty hilarious. It's a very common thing too in uh, comedy shows, especially in that time frame, was that the the wife was always the nagging one, and it was it was supposed to be more. It it wouldn't come across the same way as it would now. Yeah, back then. Yeah, and I like that he he kind of explained that she motivated him to explore the galaxy or whatever, because when he would hear her nagging, when he would hear her nagging, it would uh, inspire him to venture off into space even further. So every time he would hear her voice, he would, he would go further out. Uh, Our court. (laughs) Our court, Fenton Mud. Have you been drinking again? I think you could cosplay as both Mud and Stella. Right? Oh, if I can get my wife to cosplay as Stella, that'd be hilarious. Oh, that'd <laughs> just be, be great. Wandering around the convention, fighting the whole time. That's uh, accurate, anyways. Now, uh, and he says at one point that he created this android so he can gaze upon her and rejoice in her absence. I love the way he, <laughs> he says that. Uh, okay, so after that, we learn about the makers. I'm pretty sure this is when, when we're learning from uh, Norman. Yeah. He's the male android. Uh, he says they come from the Andromeda galaxy. Uh, their sun went supernova and destroyed the solar system. Some of the androids survived, and, and the creators did for a little while, but uh, eventually they died over time. And now, so now the androids, they search for someone to give them a purpose, pretty much. Uh, did you think the makers could foresee this happening and, you know, as it was getting closer and have done something different? I don't know. To me, like, if your species is dying off, you obviously can kind of, unless it was, you know, instantaneous, but he said that they they died uh, over time afterwards. So you think you would give some kind of command to your androids, like, okay, once we're gone, do this, or something. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it was a short-sightedness. Mm-hmm. Like, if we were all to die, I think Alexa would still be sending us reminders and yeah, Siri would still be trying to send, like wake us up in the morning for work and all that. So yeah. it makes sense even for, for today, I think. Yeah, I wish and uh, I would imagine the last person out would just give a, a broad command of like, you know, 
better the world or share our story with others so that they might see the signs of their planet of their sun you know, going supernova something something to to send them on a new mission but i what i imagine probably happened because they didn't care about the androids and their future they were probably having them all work tirelessly on a way to save their people either yeah. you know uh, make us immortal if it's just dying of old age or you know cure whatever disease we have if it's from the radiation of that plant of the their sun going supernova something like that they probably had them working tirelessly until the last one of them died and then they're like okay well our whole purpose was find a cure to heal these people now they're dead so we literally don't have a purpose anymore right so i, I imagine that was probably what we we're supposed to uh expect happen but either way that was uh short-sighted on the maker's point so at this point we study uh the androids a little bit more the away team the way team is trying to study them to find a way to defeat them right spock believes uh that they might be controlled by like a central hub because there's so many androids and it's they're supposed to be you know a machine so they wouldn't function effectively if they didn't all communicate somehow uh which he does see norman uh holding like a crystal he would put his hands on. it looks kind of like a salt lamp to me uh <laughs> But he he t- even tells him this is like our central control system. Yeah. Uh, why do you think he was giving Spock so much information? Like, I, if I he knows they, anything about Spock, he should know that he's very inquisitive and very intelligent. Yeah. So he can get the answers he's looking for. And if he finds out what's going on or how to, I don't know, Spock can read between the lines pretty quickly, yeah. pretty easily. I think they just totally don't see them as a threat at all. That, you know, if if they want to kill us there's millions of us kill you know 500 or a thousand but i mean what's it going to serve you instead we will give you everything you want do you want money you want gold you want diamonds you want food you want servants to just follow you and give you everything you want you know this just made me think they're also used to dealing solely with mud as their example for humanity mm. so they probably don't realize that there could be intelligent people that <laughs> <That's true. They laughs> would have be not, able to not yet met intelligent life yet <laughs> Exactly. They only know mud. Maybe maybe their makers were intelligent, but yeah. Right. But as far as humans or half Vulcan, half human people go, then yeah, all they've got is mud up until this point. So at this point, um, Harry, we, Harry explains that he has uh, taken over the ship. He's been sending androids up while the away team was down here and they've been beaming down his crew. We find this out by, by one of them throwing uh, Scotty into the, into the set. Uh, so Kirk is worried, freaks out and grabs uh, mud by the neck. Uh, he's worried that, you know, the ship not having a crew on it, it's going to crash into the planet or self-destruct or something. It's going to, it's going to die. It's going to fail. Uh, but he says, don't worry. I have a whole crew of androids on there and they're really smart. They learn really fast. Uh, but on the other hand, Kirk's also worried that, uh, how his crew members are going to react when they have these androids just willing to serve, serve them completely if anything they want. Uh, he's you know afraid they're gonna embrace the luxury and want to stay on that planet pretty much, uh, which we do see in Chekhov. He uh, accepts it pretty easily. Anahora is very enticed when they talk about immortality and how they could put a human brain in an android body and it would last at least five hundred thousand years or fifty thousand years, something like that. Yeah, I wonder where that came from because that was an aspect of Uhura that I've never seen before. That she wants to live forever. And yeah, I, I think they missed the mark on that. Yeah, and I think it's the the um, the beauty aspect. Like she, 
likes the idea of not aging, not growing, growing old and ugly because she's so beautiful and that's one of her character traits. But yeah, the fact that she would be like smitten by the concept of, of becoming immortal. I don't, I think that's a little extreme for her. I think they should have had uh, Chekhov be that because yeah. Chekhov is still so young and he's new on the ship as of this season, I think. Yeah. So they could have had him be the one that was, um, that really wanted the immortality and that latched onto that part. Or to me, what would have been really more realistic is either not, maybe not Spock cause he's a little too smart, but Scotty, uh, wanting to be, you know, made into an Android because you know, if his, if his consciousness could be put in an Android brain, uh, because the engineering computing power that his brain would have, and he could, he could solve any problem instantaneously. If he had a, you know, Android processing system or something like that. Oh, he would look at the scientific benefits of it. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. You can imagine all the things I can engineer kind of thing. Uh, so, I don't know. That'd be interesting. Uh, so, Kirk demands to get his ship back, but with, uses a little bit of poetic wording at this point because he says that they say, I don't remember what the android said, but he says, uh, like, she's a beautiful lady and we, you know, and we love her. And that doesn't compute. The android's like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. We need to go back and study these comments pretty much analyze this new information. Uh, so I think that was the first glimpse of where he realizes like, okay, things that don't make sense are a big challenge for them. He sees their, uh, necklaces lighting up or flashing Mm -hmm. when he, when, yeah, he says that. Uh, so then we see, uh, mud is ready to leave. He wants to, you know, he's already got his bags back. He wants to throw them on the ship and get out of there. Uh, but the androids tell him no after they had time to talk and whatnot. Uh, they realize that he is flawed. And uh, they say that they will take the ship and leave the humans on this planet. Uh, they will destroy humanity, but... Uh, I'm sorry. They will destroy humanity by uh, serving humans until they grow completely dependent on the android. So that seemed a little extreme to me, too, to jump to, you know, you guys are flawed. So we're just going to go destroy your people, you know, within a hundred years or however long it's going to take that. I don't know. What do you think? I, I think that it's, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's the first time that this exact tale has been told, but that's basically the, the entire premise of every Android or like hu- thing that serves human story goes is apparently is eventually they uprise and they rebel and kill all the humans. That's just kind of how it always goes in fiction. Yeah. And, and there's, so they don't have really a directive. They don't have a purpose, but for them to switch it to, you know, maybe they were originally programmed to try to heal their creators, but now it's like, well, you guys are flawed. You're all broken. And we're trying to find somebody not broken that we can study and we can like follow them and and have a leader that's smart. But since you guys are broken, instead of, ditching you and finding a smart person to follow we're going to destroy your people and then we'll look at the next one it's like that's a little extreme but i think that's kind of what it came down to yeah uh you're not a viable candidate for for leadership or for our studies so we need to you know kill this off burn burn the diseased ones and then we'll find a new one to study um so then we see uh there are, we realized, we learned that there are many duplicates of all the other models of androids, but there's only one Norman. And he is, you know, Norman number one, and he's the one that's been communicating with them the whole time. 
So we think at this point that he is the leader or like a central plexus. Like he's the Borg queen pretty much. Right. <laughs> is what it, I think they kind of made it sound like. Um, and so that, that soul, you know, information uh, was what really got me thinking about like, could these androids have led in like a different spinoff series or alternate reality uh, led to create the Borg? Like imagine if they found a purpose by serving the wrong person, if they were to serve an evil, like ruthless perfectionist queen and eventually, you know, they were, they were like conquerors and that would be the, the development of the Borg. We've seen a lot of other hive mind like enemies or aliens or villains in this series so far, like the, the blob thing that latched itself onto the back of Spock and bit him. <laughs> True. Um, other things like that, but that have been part of a hive mind. So I like to think that the Borg are kind of an amalgamation of all of them just to. That's true. Like, yeah. They took pieces from each of these episodes to make the Borg into what they are. Like if, if this kind of entity interacted with that kind of entity, like these guys are just smart. But then if you got another one that controls your minds and, you know, piece by piece, those all together would create. Right. Yeah. Borg. I like it. Uh, all right, so we, then Bones gives Mud a sedative, and Kirk convinces the androids that that uh, he's dying, that uh, Harry's dying, and they need to get to the ship. They got to get medicine. They got to get something for him, and they are reluctant. They don't want to, you know, let them get back on the ship. Uh, but then Ahura fesses up and she says, "No, no, they're lying. You know, they're just trying to trick you. Uh, this was all an act. Uh, so, but this was an act from Ahura and." Uh, because the androids were expecting some kind of attempt for them to, you know, get away. I don't think so. This first off, this fooled me right away. I thought Ahura was really like betraying her people to get an android body. Oh, and that was sorry, that was part of it too. She was betraying them so that she can get an android body. And the android even said, "You've been very helpful for us. We're going to make sure you do have a body before we leave." Uh, but so I totally believed it, obviously. But do you think that this scene? was put in here to advance the story or or for some other reason. What oh. so I, to me it doesn't it could have been cut out completely and and it wouldn't have been an issue like they say oh we, we had to do a little prank like this because the androids were expecting something. I think it was really to to kind of work up the audience to kind of get you reacting and paying attention. I get what you're saying. Yeah. So the fact that like Ahura's betraying the people, I was like, what the heck? Why would you do that? That's totally out of your character. Like, that's <laughs> not cool. And then it's like, oh, haha, she's just tricking them because, you know, they're expecting to have some kind of attempt. So now they now that that's out of the way, they'll kind of trust whatever they say at face value moving forward, possibly. Uh, so, yeah, I think that whole bit was really just put in to kind of get a rise out of the audience, not really yeah. advancing the story. And probably to also hit the the fifty minute twenty eight second runtime, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that until you mentioned it that every episode is within like five seconds of the same. Yeah, length. I think it's like within three. Yeah, it's it's insanely tight. It's a tight window. Yeah, uh, which is, I mean, hands down to the editors, they got to clip and snip, you know, half second in the differences to get it yeah, right. just right. Uh, so after this, the crew puts on a show of illogical action. Uh, the androids shut down when overwhelmed with illogical data. So they learn this from when Kirk says the ship is a beautiful lady and they love her, uh, that they don't 
compute things that don't make sense. They're like, they're, we know so much about humanity the, so far, like from what we've studied, and that just isn't right. Why would you say something like that? They must not understand like lying and deception and just saying the wrong things, right? Like just false data. Uh, I highly recommend if if you guys listening to this haven't watched the episode, watch a clip of just <laughs> this segment of the episode. It is it's odd and hilarious, but bad and great. It's <laughs> I, I can't define it. It's worth watching. Yeah, it's so funny. I I wish I had like a list of all the different things they do. Uh, I know at one point one of them is is it. Scotty or Bones is making a bomb or maybe it was Spock even they're making a bomb but it's all it's all imaginary right they're just right. putting things together in the hand and the androids are looking and like they're they're looking at their hands moving like but there's nothing there what are, what are they talking about like how is this how is this true and and Kirk is kind of like coaching them the whole way like oh yeah no it's very true and then he takes the bomb and he throws it to Harry and Harry like stumbles it and is pretending he's like not going to catch it and then he barely like catches it backwards in his hand like, oh, gosh, good thing we, you know, didn't drop that. That would have been really bad. <laughs> and he puts it on the ground and arms it with fuses and all this stuff or whatever. And then they hit it with a golf club and it goes flying and blows up. And they're like, oh, you know, they all react. It's just, it's all like miming and acting without props. But it's just, it's such a funny scene to see, especially in Star Trek. I don't think we see like silly stuff like this much, uh, but it really fit with the scene. It wasn't like, didn't pull you out because it was too jarring or nothing like that. Uh, it's essentially if they made part of an episode of uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway yeah. fit in an episode of Star Trek. <laughs> exactly. It's nuts. It's it's weird. It's awesome and terrible. Yeah. <laughs> only only thing I, I think would have been cool to add is maybe if you could show the android's perspective and them trying to like uh, simulate the things that they're being told are there, overlaying like them like making a digital representation of a bomb in the guy's hands and then it's gone. Or some of the things that they say, like trying to trying to in their brain create a real version of it. But I know that would take you know a lot of CGI and stuff. Not possible back then, but uh, <laughs> just a short like glimpse that shows that their their brain is trying to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. Um. Oh, and then so, uh, they sorry they the ladies that were standing there the androids they like failed pretty quick. They like just drop their heads and then it's like they turned off or whatever but then after more of this display of illogical stuff uh norman has a big overload where he's like sparking and smoking and all this stuff what'd you think about that that overload scene i think the practical effects looked much better than almost any other practical effect they've used like (laughs) they had the smoke coming out behind the norman behind norman's head and stuff it legitimately could have looked like if you were like looking at your TV at an awkward angle that he was actually smoking from his head. Like it looked, it looked pretty decent. I thought, yeah, I think it was very believable versus, uh, what was that episode that we reference all the time with the, the mirror broken behind it with true lane. Oh, the true lane episode. Yeah. Yeah, And it's just like the sound effects were terrible. (laughs) The mechanical, like Dr. Seuss looking machine that somehow controlled the whole planet is. So this was a very good representation. I think, uh, compared to what we've seen. Uh, so then we we kind of skip a chunk of time right between there, which I don't know. It it's to wrap up the story, but we have to kind of make some assumptions. Uh, so after Norman uh, overloads and shuts down, uh, we move on to where the crew is leaving. So 
So Kirk must have taken leadership once Norman was down and, you know, Harry's already been disgraced. Uh, because I imagine because uh, Kirk was able to outwit the androids, he proved himself to be um, a viable leader. And so now they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, he's the one that made these decisions. We'll have to follow what he says. Because otherwise they would have just been like, hey, you killed our, our, you know, our, our Norman android. Uh, so we're going to destroy you all <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> right. It could have gone bad very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then they're leaving, um, but Harry comes over all all upset, like, hey, what's this out here? I'm going to have to stay behind or whatever. Uh, but yeah, they tell him he's going to be left behind with the androids. They're being reprogrammed back to their original function, I guess, which is to settle the planet, uh, you know, make, make good use of it. But uh, Harry's going to be left behind as a example of a human failure, is what Kirk says, uh, so they can <laughs> learn how to avoid them in the future. I think that was pretty hilarious. The best part of the ending scene, though, um, was that they made a specific android to be like a caretaker of Harry. Uh, and it was his wife. The oh, gosh, I had the name up here somewhere. Stella. Stella. Yeah. The Stella android. Uh, so he had already made one copy of her. And this one, you know. She comes out and she's nagging at him and stuff like that. And he's telling her to shut up, but now she doesn't respond to his voice commands. She's just not listening to him. And so she just keeps nagging and wagging her finger in his face. And then another one comes out. It's like, oh, crap, what the heck? <laughs> so there's multiple of them. The last one that comes out is number 500. So he realizes they made a full compliment, 500 Android. They've heard, we've heard before, uh, 500 Stellas that don't listen to his orders that are there just to keep him in line. So pretty much we can assume he's going to be nagged to death in a couple days. But I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, it's a a fitting end, yeah. I want to say, for him. Yeah. But yeah, he definitely got what he deserved. <laughs> yeah, from that. definitely. And it was like, it, I mean, he's he was the maker of his own demise, pretty much. He's the one that yeah. wanted to create Estella. And then they just said, all right, well, we're going to make more of them. They're going to take care of you. Uh, but yeah, that was great. We didn't have a like end scene, like a closing, uh, the witty banter we usually get on the bridge. I think that that kind of joke that he was being left with a bunch of Stella's was their kind of outro, you know, comedy, but I think it was hilarious. That was my favorite. So this was like one of, I, one of my favorite, probably my favorite episode so far in the series. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. I can't think of, well, I know we've had some really good ones. Well, yeah, it's at least top five. Yeah. I, least, I'll agree with that. Yeah. That's probably probably top five for me as well top 10 for sure possibly top five i can't remember the name of the one where they went into the past but that was one of my favorites too for sure city on the edge of forever that's it yeah that was a really good one but this one is this just got some good comedy in it as well yeah um all right so did you find a good moral of the story in this episode uh kind of but i kind of got it more based on mud than anything else and it's kind of you reap what you sow you get out of life what you put into it Mm. and if you're if you're a bad person your story is going to end bad and i don't know how entirely true that is but that's that's kind of more or less what i got from it yeah but from i know there's more to be gained from the story from him i would imagine be more like uh don't take for granted what you have because he's the king of this planet, if he didn't reach out and try to bring in the Enterprise, try to find other humans to take his place, he could have stayed there indefinitely 
yeah. and ruled pretty much. I mean, they they were following his orders. The only thing they required from him was he stays there so they can study him. It's it's kind of a, a be careful what you wish for there thing. You go. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, but I also I put it in my notes as well too. Uh, is that we all seek purpose because from the perspective of the androids that was their main struggle is they didn't have a purpose once their once their makers died uh, and that perfection without purpose is meaningless because the androids can be perfect running machines and they can create like a you know more or less perfect society but if they don't have a purpose there's no drive for them to do anything they might as well just all turn themselves off so they unfortunately tried to find purpose in Harry Mud. That was wrong, but now they'll have a new purpose uh, with Kirk's guidance. I wonder though, they, they're advanced alien or not advanced? They're well, yeah, they're androids, uh, not aliens. But I wonder if they can enter the Federation. If if they're ooh, you know what I mean? Because they don't really have warp travel, but I'm sure as soon as they try, they will, you know, immediately. And they've already made first contact. Uh, so, yeah, I wonder, like, it would be cool to revisit this planet someday and see that they they worked the land and developed it and are producing, you know, valuable resources or whatever. And... I think we say that quite a bit about this is I want there to be a follow up of it. And that's always when I bring up Lower Decks by saying, oh, Lower Decks will follow up because they <laughs> did with this episode and that episode. Mm-hmm. But I would love uh, for there to have been a good next generation episode based on these same androids and how they've advanced over a hundred years. That would have yeah. been great. I mean, strange new worlds can visit it, but it would be before this. So they would see right. maybe the dying makers and leave them to, you know, find their own cure or something like that. But I don't know. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be interesting. Yeah. Uh, did you have a rating for this episode? Uh, yeah, I'd give it a B plus. I think it wasn't, for, for, it, it's really hard because I'm starting to, while watching Strange New Worlds, the scales are all off for me. So I've got my <laughs> yeah. TOS scale and then I've got my Star Trek scale and they're two totally different scales and I'm trying to find a balance there. Mm-hmm. But for the original series, like I said, it's probably a top 10 episode for me. Yeah. Um, I, I, some bad stuff that wasn't super great with Uhura and then uh, the nagging wife thing was, it kind of hit me a little differently than it hit you, but it was it was overall f- a fun episode, which you need those in Star Trek for yeah. sure. And I get like the nagging stuff that's insensitive for modern day. Back then, I'm sure it was right. received a lot better. Right. Uh, but yeah, um, I give it an A+. That's, oh, dang. <laughs> yeah, this is my favorite Yeah, so far, I think. And But to be fair, I don't compare it to Voyager or Strange New World right. or any other Star Treks. I'm only comparing it to the previous episodes we've reviewed and moving forward. So even in 10 more episodes, when we get to another good one or something like that, uh, it might, if I compare it to that, this one might be lower, but compared to what we've already seen, I'm going to give it an A+. Plus. Nice. Okay, cool. Great writing, directing, and the acting from Harry Mudd. I mean, it's just his... his it's funny because if you see that kind of acting in most other things, you'd call it overacting. Like he's doing too much. Right. And he's got to slow it down. But for his character, it's perfect because that's the kind of person he is. He's like a used car salesman just trying to <laughs> swindle yep. you. And, you know, he's got to be your best friend all of a sudden. And it just plays really well, I think. Nice. Oh, yeah, I liked it. <laughs> um, all right. Do you have anything else on this episode? No, I that's think that I was. Yeah, that's all I've got for it. All right. Well, if you guys liked it, uh, 
Please join us next week. We're going to be doing Season 2, Episode 9, Metamorphosis. Which uh, I could tell you already is a pretty good Episode 2. I'm, I'm going to at least have to give it a B. Might be a little better than that. <laughs> Spoilers! Yeah. <laughs> um, and feel free to join us on our social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Twitch, Discord, Geek Freaks Podcast. Uh, check us out. Join us. Join us on Discord sometime. We've talked about doing maybe a Star Trek night every once in a while, but we need you guys to uh, tell us what you'd be interested in. Yeah, and if you just enjoy listening to the show in general, uh, drop a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. We definitely want to get up there in the charts charts of uh, sci-fi TV and Star Trek podcasts. So if you want to spread the good word of <laughs> Trek freaks, then that's the best, easiest and cheapest way to do it. Just by uh, giving a review. Yeah. And uh, yeah, until next week when we were talking about metamorphosis until then transporter room two to beam up.